Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Jason Dyke. In June of 2017, Jason Dyke founded Carson's Village, a first-of-its-kind nonprofit organization that provides free support and resources to families who have experienced the sudden loss of a loved one. The determination to start Carson's Village came after Jason lost his youngest son, Carson, to suicide when he was just 11 years old. After that experience, Jason realized that there is not an organization in the United States that is dedicated to supporting families from passing to the funeral and then through the first year after a loss to ensure healthy grieving. Carson's Village was created to fill that gap and to address the stress and challenge of that period of time. As of March 1st of 2021, Carson's Village has helped nearly 800 families and was named the Small Organization of the Year by DCEO. In addition, Carson's Village was selected by the United Way of Metropolitan Dallas to be in the 2020 cohort of the Social Innovation Accelerator Program. Jason holds both a bachelor's degree in civil engineering as well as a master's of business administration from Texas A&M University. He works as a business development manager on AT&T's Connected Car Team. In the past, he has owned and operated two restaurants in the Austin area as well as an auto repair shop in North Dallas. Jason serves as a board member on the Capel Education Foundation. His wife, April, is a diagnostician at Capel Middle School North, and together they have two sons, Alex, who is a freshman at Texas Tech University, and Ryan, who is a senior at Capel High School. Hi, Jason, and thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. We're delighted to have you. And I know since it's been scheduled, I've been really looking forward to this. I must admit, I spend a fair amount of time on the internet researching our field, looking for unique services, looking for inspirational guests for our listeners' enjoyment. Our entire goal with this podcast is just to make grief something a little bit more comfortable to talk about, to discuss, because for so many people, they have trouble even mentioning the word die or death. And we just want it to be something a little more easily discussed so people can plan better, heal faster, and learn to adjust in their daily life. So in my research, every so often, I come across a website that literally makes me stop in amazement. And carsonsvillage.org was exactly that. The further I read, the more amazed and inspired I became. So would you please share with our listeners just a little bit of your background, please? Sure. So I went to Texas A&M as an undergrad. I majored in civil engineering. I moved to Austin and I worked in land development and I decided to leave that and open up a restaurant. It was kind of like a Chipotle or a Freebirds. It was a... Um, Love Freebirds, by the way. <laughs> I would like to like throw out a note that uh, although the first one was in California, the one that really made Freebirds uh, expand was in College Station, yep. and uh, it was it was right across campus from my dorm, and I did everything I could to make sure that it was a success. 
Um, so I went to Texas A&M, very, very proud Aggie. And I graduated, went to Austin and was in, uh, was a civil engineer in land development. And I decided to open up a restaurant. So I left that and opened up a restaurant, had two restaurants. The second one did not do very well. I uh, went back to civil engineering. And after that, I decided to go back to Texas A&M to receive my MBA. And I graduated with, from Texas A&M with my MBA and went to work for AT&T. And I've been at AT&T for 18 years. It's a great company. I love it. But on April 28th of 2017, um, my life changed forever when I suddenly lost my 11-year-old son, Carson. And through that process, I learned that uh, many families don't have the support and the resources that I have. And so I decided to start a nonprofit to help families uh, navigate everything from passing to the funeral and beyond. And I realized after a little bit of research that what I wanted to do was very unique. There are a lot of resources out there that are guides and will give people a checklist of what to do. We actually offer a live advocate to talk to families and walk them through the process free of charge to help them understand what their choices are and make the best decisions they can. That That's incredible. And, you know, as I read the website information and everything, I I, I had trouble believing that it was really true, but it is. Um, so thanks for sharing your background. I want to know a little bit more about Carson's Village. About how long did it take you to establish this nonprofit? And what are some of the hoops you had to jump through? Well, I will tell you, I'm a go-getter, and I almost started it overnight. So Carson passed on April 28th of 2017, and I realized that there was an opportunity to pay for the generosity that was given to me. And about a month later, I went and pitched the idea for the concept of Carson's Village to the hospital that Carson went to that night. Uh, they liked it, and I filed for a 501c3. It was recognized by the IRS on June 27th of 2017, wow. so about two months. I spent the rest of 2017 kind of getting my ducks in a row on what we wanted to do, getting the operation set. And then we helped our first family in January of 2018. That's incredible. That, that's incredible. Um, I can only imagine. I'm almost at a loss for words here. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're in awe at Carson's Village and the commitment that, you, that you've gone through to create it and sustain it, the, the service for others. You mentioned you do all the steps. Can you tell me how, how you find out about the people that need your help and what exactly do you do for them? So we have great relationships, uh, not only across North Texas, but throughout the entire United States. As of today, we've helped nearly 800 families since we started in 42 different states. The majority of them are in North Texas, and we've got relate, great relationships with hospitals, police departments. Uh, one of our great partners is Baylor Scott and White in North Texas. We help their entire pastoral staff across their 50 hospital system. Uh, but nationally, we're we're on the uh, Red Cross uh, website. Salvation Army's referred folks to us. Uh, the Air Force has referred folks to us. Last summer, we were recognized by New York City as a resource as COVID hit. So we've done a great job of developing new uh, partnerships across the U.S. And the way we uh, get connected with the families, we have a toll-free number that the families can call, and a, a uh, call center answers the phone. 
It's answered 24 hours a day. The call center takes the appropriate information and tells the family we'll be back in touch with them within two hours. Uh, typically it's 10 or 15 minutes. We call the family back. We talk to them about what they need. Uh, the family typically has different needs. Some families have a lot of needs. Some families have a few needs, but we talk to the family about what it is that they need to have happen. And usually it's two big things. One, it's where do I go? And the second is how do I pay for it? And we found that if we can solve those two issues, that there's so many more things that we can talk about. How's the family doing mentally? Do they need other resources? Do they need counseling? But in that time between the passing and the funeral, they're in shock. They don't know what to do. We need to get in there. We need to help them you know, operationally check the box to figure out which, which funeral home to go to and how they pay for it. Now, although we're not funded to pay for uh, funerals, we, we just don't do that for families. We help them by setting up a fundraising page that allows them to use their own network, friends, family, folks in the, the community to raise money to pay for the funeral. And then we make sure that they, we find a funeral home that meets their emotional and financial needs. Funeral homes vary in terms of how much they charge. Uh, and what we do is we talk to the families about what it is that they really need. We make sure they find a funeral home that doesn't charge too much, that they can budget for, that they can raise money to, to, um, to pay for. And then we walk them through that entire process. I'm still in awe. That's not going to change anytime soon. And I, boy, I've got a, a great question to wrap up our podcast, but I'll save it for now. Going away from that specifically for a minute, we've had many episodes in which our guests have gone through grief themselves, are still going through grief. Most of them are female. We've established that grief is as unique as our fingerprint. It's different for everyone. So if you're comfortable doing so, Jason, since you found yourself in the midst of processing a sudden and tragic death in your family, would you mind sharing your perspective on those initial moments and days of grief? Wow. Um, I, you know, it's, it is hard. Um, mm -hmm. So how my wife processed it, how my oldest son, Alex, processed it, how my middle son, Ryan, processed it, and how I processed it were completely different. Right. And, and you're right. Everybody does it differently, and there's no right way. And, you know, I've, over the last few years, I've talked to many families that have gone through this process of mourning the loss of a loved one, and it's tough. It, it's tough because everybody does it differently. And when people don't understand that, it makes it that much harder because eventually you do have to understand that. And if you don't understand that in the first few steps, it just makes it much more difficult because once you understand that and come to peace with how my spouse is responding, how my children are responding, how my parents are responding, how my neighbors are responding, once you understand that everybody's different, that makes a huge impact on how you grieve because you can't affect other people's grief. You can't, you can help them try to grieve, but to do that, you've got to give them space to understand how they grieve. Um, I've seen so many times where people go in and try to dictate how other people should yeah. grieve and it, it doesn't work that way. You can't be told and you can't tell it. It just, it, 
it breaks me up a little bit. It's, it, it, it's hard. It's yes, hard. And, it is. And, you know, that night when Carson passed, it was, uh, it was a Friday. And, you know, and, and I'll tell you one thing about me. The people that know me will usually send me a note on April 28th to say, I'm very sorry about the passing of your son and, and whatnot. The people that truly know me know that I don't care about April 28th. It was always the last Friday of April because that last Friday is what matters to me. Right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a Tuesday. It wasn't a Wednesday. It wasn't a Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was a Friday. And I replay that Friday every time. And it's, it's tough. So okay. my story it was a Friday after uh, it was a Friday afternoon. I was volunteering at work. I went in work that afternoon. I came home. Carson had had a bad day at school. We thought everything was okay. We were going to go see a neighbor's backyard. They did some improvements and he didn't want to go. My oldest son is a trainer for the local high school. And so he was at a softball game. So my wife and I and middle son went to the neighbor's house. And my wife was not ready to go after about 30, 45 minutes. So I said, well, let me go back and get Carson. I'll get him. I'll bring him back. I'll pick you up. We'll go to dinner. I came back to the house and went upstairs. And I built Carson a loft for Christmas about a year and a half previous to that. Had a custom headboard, footboard, safety rail, ladder going up the side, desk underneath, even a place to hide his money from his brother's. And he had taken a pair of pajama pants and formed a loop and hung himself in the safety rail. Oh, my God. Uh, I came upstairs. I um, brought him down. I started giving him CPR. My middle son had to call 911. The paramedics got there. Um, they started doing um, uh, CPR on him. And I, 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 knew he was, I knew he was gone. And so I had to leave. And go get my wife, who was walking back from the neighbor's house, and she had her flashlight on because it was Friday night. It was dark, and she was just walking down the sidewalk, and I had to stop the car and get out and walk over, and I had to tell her. And she dropped to the ground and just started screaming, no, 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 and I put her in the car and turned the corner. And the entire street was dark except for the fire truck, paramedics, and police cars with their lights on outside our house. And so by then they had Carson in the back of the, the ambulance and they wouldn't let us see him because they had him all fixed up with tubes and his neck braced and whatnot. So they left to go to the hospital. We had to go pick up my oldest son at um, the softball game. So I remember standing outside a light post outside the stadium and telling him that Carson had died. And the shock of grief on his face and I put him in the car we drove to the hospital and we got there and we were allowed to see Carson but he had already passed and so I uh, had to sign him out and do the release for his body and as I was signing him out I asked the nurse for a brochure or something to tell me what to do and he said we'll find a funeral home and they'll walk you through the process and so I was sent into the teeth of a for-profit funeral home to figure out what to do. And I left the hospital and I called my family. I called my wife's family and I called what I call our bus family. 
and I call it our bus family because uh, my wife and I own a Texas A&M shuttle bus with okay. five other families. We bought it about 15 years ago and we ripped all the seats out of it. We built tables and chairs and put a TV inside. We use it for tailgating at A&M football games. <laughs> and we've gone on a lot of road trips. We've gone on a lot of vacations and all our kids were raised together. And I called our bus family and I told them what happened. And they came into town, they took care of us and they were our village. And they helped us find a funeral home. They helped us find a cemetery. One of their friends went to the funeral home with us and the funeral home started walking us through everything we had to do. It was a two and a half hour process. And at one point they tried to sell me this $800 bouquet of flowers to go on top of the casket. And I remember thinking I need to buy these flowers because I don't want somebody to think I didn't love my son. And my friend said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to put an a and flag on top of the casket instead. And so we put an a and flag on there and that meant more to me than any dumb set of flowers ever would have. And after I got through the process, I realized that not everybody had the village that I have. And because I had owned a couple of businesses in the past, because I had been a little entrepreneurial, I realized that I maybe had some insight into starting an organization that not everybody did. And so I decided to start an organization that helps people do what my village did for me. And so I did. So I, after Two months after Carson passed, it was recognized by the IRS as a 501c3. After about eight months of figuring out how to put the organization together, we helped our first family. And now, after helping 82 families our first year, 206 our second year, 350 our third year, we should help about 1,000 families this year. And I'm very fortunate to be able to pay for the generosity that was given to me and my family by helping families all across the country. And I, this is not a chapter I ever would have written in my autobiography, but you play the cards you're dealt and I would give it all back to give Carson again. But by being able to do this in Carson's name, I don't truly bury my son. I just, I get to do this with him and he's by my side every time I, every time I talk about it. Okay. Let's stop for a minute. I need a minute. First, I'd almost like to apologize for asking that question, Jason. I didn't mean to put you through that. No, that's okay. That's okay. It, it happens. I, you know, I can talk about Carson's Village all day long, but it's very hard to talk about him and, and what happened that night. I understand. I understand completely, and I thank you for marching through that. So, Jason, my understanding is, is that you have an advocate um, who, once someone has a, a family member that's passed, they call your number. And then the advocate kind of kicks in and starts making contact with them. What kind of training have you put your advocates through and what's the process there? So our advocates are licensed clinical social workers that come in and go through a very robust training process to understand what the Carson's Village role is for our families. When a family is referred to us, uh, they call in our toll-free number. Uh, they're told that an advocate will call them back within two hours. Typically, it's 10 or 15 minutes. We call them directly back. And then we talk to them to understand what it is that they need. And once we understand their needs, we walk them through the process between the passing and the funeral. Typically, it's which funeral home do I go to and how do I pay for it? Again, like we're not funded to pay for funerals, but we help them find the funding through friends and family or their own network. 
we get them to a funeral home that uh, meets their financial and emotional needs. The advocate understands that entire process. And then after that, every family is contacted within 30 days uh, just to make sure they're healing in a healthy way. And if the family is doing well and getting back to the path uh, to their new normal, then we call them back every 90 days just to check in with them. But if we call it 30 days and they're not doing well, if maybe they're struggling to get out of bed or they have thoughts of self-harm, we immediately rush into action and we find them the resources that they need. And then we follow up with them every 30 days after that to make sure they're healing in a healthy way. And then once they get on that, that path to their new normal, then we, we revert back to every 90 days. And then we call them for up to a year to make sure that everything's going okay. After that, we, we stop contacting them, but that doesn't mean that they can't reach back out to us. They always have the phone number and the contact information for the advocate that worked for them. So at any point, they're welcome to call us back and say, hey, I need this, or I'm, I'm feeling sad, or I, my kids are struggling, or whatever it is, and we'll spring into action and do whatever we can to help them get, uh, get the resources that they need. Incredible. Now, Jason, my understanding is there's no cost for Carson's Village and what the services that you guys offer. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so we don't ever charge the families for anything we do. Okay. We, we come in, we offer our advice and the benefit of our knowledge, but we don't ever charge the families for anything that we do. Mm -hmm. We just want to be there to help them when they need it and to answer their questions and make sure we get them down the proper path that makes sense for their family. So you guys are able to survive then by people who support you through donations and things like that, fundraisers? Yes. Donations are what fuel Carson's Village. Um, we have people that donate through work. We have people that donate through some of the, the uh, opportunities we have in North Texas, North Texas Giving Day. We have people that donate uh, through our golf tournament that we put on every year. And we have a, we have a wide group of people that, that support us. but. The donations that they give us are what fund the efforts that we do to support families when they need us the most. And right now we're in the process of expanding our resources so that we can support people better across the country and donations are what are going to fuel that. And so we're always looking for people to come in, partner with us, believe in what we do and help fund our efforts. That's, that's great. Other than donations, how can people support Carson's Village? So we'd love for people to share Carson's Village on social media. We have a Facebook page. We have uh, Twitter. Um, I'd love for people to um, put repost us and share what we do and spread the word across the country. The, the more people that know about us, the better. Um, Carson's Village is very unique. There's, there's no one that we have found that's doing exactly what we do. There's bits and pieces of it out there. But the key differentiator is the live advocate. And that live advocate is who answers the questions and get, helps the family through that process. Uh, the more people that know about us, the better. So we ask everybody to, to like our Facebook page, to share our Facebook page. And if they have anybody in their network who works in, a, in an agency or somewhere that would benefit from our services, we'd love to have that connection. You may be sorry you said that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We live in Rochester, New York, and there are GoFundMe pages popping up all the time. We have a huge population who can barely afford to put food on their table. And I know, as sure as I'm sitting here today, 
that there are probably thousands of families in this general area that would love to know about Carson's Village. And I will do my best to get the word out there. Well, I appreciate that. You know, on, on a side note, you know, GoFundMe, what they do is they, they do the 2.9% plus 30 cents transaction, but there's not a big difference, but they pound everybody on the backside for a tip. Yeah. And they ask for more money on the top side, and we don't do that. Right. One of the reasons we started putting together a family page, when uh, Carson passed, the I didn't have the ability to put up a page. And so the funeral home said they'd put up a page. And we had asked for money to be contributed either to the school where Carson went to because we wanted to put a bench out mm. or to my other two boys' uh, college fund. Right. And uh, we didn't want that was going to be asked for in lieu of flowers. Well, when the funeral home put the fam, uh, put the uh, the page up, there was this big uh, button on there to donate flowers to the funeral. Mm -hmm. And I called the funeral home and I said, "Hey, would you please remove that right. button because we don't want flowers to come. We want the money to go to, to either the the middle school or the kids' college fund." And they said, "We're sorry, we have a national contract with this certain company, and we can't remove the button." And so as a result, we had a lot of really pretty flowers that we didn't want. Yeah. And that was the uh, reason that we put to get together our one of our family pages, our one of the reasons, because we want to be able to control the content, control what's there and give the family all that they need in one place and not try to divert money elsewhere, not try to make money off of them in a different way. That's not what we want to do. We want to be there solely for the for the family. And it's really important that uh, that we provide the services that we provide to make sure that they get the most they can for the for the funeral and any other expenses. Yeah, yeah, uh, understood. We joke a lot about how comfort care homes are kind of like hidden gems. Yes. And I really, Carson's Village is like this hidden gem in Texas now. And I really, I don't know how long it would take, but I think you guys should just expand and be in every state. <laughs> you, I, I would love you, that. you can have a social worker contact in different areas. And I just, a lot of people, I mean, us at Comfort Care Homes, you know, we try to help sometimes give them names of funeral homes that we've used in the past that we know would work with them and things like that. So it's kind of similar. And then we still try to keep in contact with them afterwards. But yeah, I really really could see you expanding and and uh i know that you can help everybody from where you are but you're going to need more advocates <laughs> yes yes so a little bit i want to do a little bit of a shout out to a family they reached out to me last fall uh so hillary and jonathan krieger why does that name sound familiar are trying to get a um, word added to the dictionary so their yes, dad passed from COVID. Do you oh, have you heard the story that, about yep. Robisculate? Yes, yes. Yes. So actually, Hillary reached out to me last fall and they were raising, they were selling t-shirts, but they wanted to find an organization that would benefit from the t-shirts. So she reached out to us and Carson's Village is a beneficiary of uh, Orbisculate. And so I actually have an Orbisculate shirt. Um, she did an interview yesterday in Dallas. It's supposed to air today, and I haven't listened to the news yet. But she had a shout out for Carson's Village, and so Hillary and Jonathan are. I have not met them in person. I've I've done several Zooms with them. They're but they're from the Boston area. Yes. Uh, but they've they've reached out to us, and they're they're helping us uh, get the word out about not only Carson's Village but or, or Biscuit. Yes. How, how have you heard about? That's them? how I found your page. <laughs> 
Oh, is it really? <laughs> I, I, I was, you know, I was just doing research and I saw something and I'm a writer. So anything about yeah. words is going to draw my attention like a sparkly item would to Stephanie's younger sister. And so I saw this orbisculate. I went, oh, that's not a word. So I read. And then I, from there, I went to the list. They had a list of 50 things they yes. wanted to accomplish. And one of them, so I'm scanning down, of course, to see if appearing on a podcast might be one of the 50 because they're, this whole orbisculate thing is a part of their grieving um, yes, for their totally, father. Yes. It's a memory of their father that causes them to right. laugh and smile. So this is their mission. And I thought it would be interesting for a podcast. I still do. And as I read down up to that 50 list item, it said that they had uh, they had had Carson's Village. There was some link about yes, a podcast yeah. or something. And I said, Carson's Village, what is that? And I went to your page. And that's how I found Carson's Village. Oh, gotcha. As a matter of fact, my graphic design. So after she contacted me, I hooked her up with my graphic designer. So she's the one that did the graphics for their website and a bunch of their social media. So... I've got a very good graphic designer if you'll need her. Oh, okay. See, it's all about that networking. <laughs> it's all about the networking. It, it That's is. Right. It's true positive. And for our listeners who are scratching their heads and maybe frantically trying to search Google now, orbisculate <laughs> is that feeling you get when you go to bite into a piece of citrus, like an orange, or you stab the grapefruit with your spoon or your fork, and it squirts and sprays in your face. That's <laughs> yeah, so Jonathan and Hillary have done a great job of getting that out. And one day Absolutely. that's going to be in the uh, dictionary. And I'm very proud to be associated Absolutely. with that. Absolutely. And this they're, will they're definitely be in the job. podcast. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a nice wrap up, I think. Um, yes. And, then, you know, Stephanie mentioned other branches and everything. In all seriousness, if you want to branch out into the Northeast, we are in Western New York State over toward Buffalo. And I would be more than happy to become involved in any way, shape, or form mm -hmm. with Carson's Village. Well, I appreciate that. Okay. Well, sadly, Jason, I think our time is growing short for today and we've taken enough of your time. We want to offer you some time to tell our audience anything else, things you're working on, what they might find if they visit your website, anything at all you'd like to share with them. So, Carson's Village is always there for anybody who needs us. One, uh, one thing I'd like to, to mention is our uh, how to reach us. So you can reach out to us through our toll-free number. And our toll-free number is 1-800. And have you heard the joke, why six is scared of seven? Uh, no. Because seven, eight, nine. Uh, I used to tell that joke to my kids all the time. That was a dumb dad joke and they hated it. But you know what? That's part of our toll-free number now. So in the end, <laughs> dad wins. <laughs> so our toll-free number is 877-789-0722, and that's Carson's birthday, 0722. Oh, so it's a very special okay. number. And uh, so that's how people can reach out to us, 877-789-0722. Call centers answered 24 hours a day, and they can uh, get any help they need and get their questions answered, and we'll do whatever we can to help them out. Um, in addition to the services that we offer, we're also rolling out probably this summer is going to be what we call the village, which would be a peer-to-peer -peer support system to where we would um, uh, ask for volunteers to step up who have had some type of loss in their past, and we would pair them up with somebody that has a current loss in the same situation so that they could start helping them work down that path to, to, to recovery into their new normal. 
And so we hope to launch that, uh, like I said, late spring, maybe summer sometime. And I think that would give people an opportunity who have had a past loss to try to work through that and pay forward some of the generosity they felt and to and help the people with a current loss to try to figure out what their new path is. And I think that's going to be really important. And we're in a very unique position to offer that because we are in touch with those families, you know, minute one, day one, hour one, and we can get that connection made and help them start to, to, to heal quick. Thanks so much. As always, listeners, we're going to make sure we include the contact information for Carson's Village on our website and in the episode notes in the apps that you listen to the podcast. Jason, again, thank you. No parent should ever sur- out-survive their child. Never. I believe, I believe that to the depths of my soul. You have been through horrid, horrid trauma, yet you took the time to make a legacy for your son, Carson. And everyone who has been helped, everyone yet to be helped, and those that just listen to your story will gain inspiration from it. And we want to thank you so, so much. To all of our listeners, we'll chat again next week. Stay well, take care of yourselves, and we will all continue to live and grieve together. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.